it's about caring about what's in front of you, not necessarily what's ahead of you or what's behind you. Mm-hmm. People give too much effort into either trying to wrangle the future or change the past that they forget that the past was only created the way it was by the way you treated the present. And so will the future be. Give it a year, I bet they'll call you a genius. Today's episode is Arizona. Arizona is an American pop rock and electro pop band from New Jersey, currently signed to Fueled by Ramen. Their songs have racked up half a billion streams on Spotify alone, and they've headlined some of the world's biggest festivals, including South by Southwest, The Governor's Ball, and Lollapalooza. Please welcome Arizona. Howdy. Zach, the singer. Howdy, howdy. So stoked to have you. The show is really about the risks taken, the mountains climbed, and the victories behind who you are today. And I love to start off by where you started. Like, what was your first, like, I want to be this when I grew up? Uh, I was going to be a, uh, I was going to be um, a, a pilot. I was going to be a, I wanted to be a fighter pilot in the Navy. Um, and I pursued that pretty, pretty hard actually. Um, for, I feel like most of my life. Um, and then, uh, but I was colorblind. I, I also knew that um, I certainly, didn't like have the grades to do like Annapolis, um, which is like the Naval Academy. So I'd have to, you know, do more traditional routes. And it just, it, it became something that wasn't necessarily viable for me at the time. Um, that was pretty later in life, but, um, I, I had a lot of different, a lot of different things kind of going on pretty consistently in life, but that was like the one thing I knew I, I really wanted to do. And then when I sort of found out that wasn't necessarily going to be what I was going to end up doing, I, uh, I wasn't sure, you know. I, I didn't. I didn't know exactly what to do. My um, my plans were kind of split down the middle. I thought that I would maybe either. Um, my father really wanted me to maybe still pursue something like that. So he was like, "You can still, you know, because he was a ranger in, in Vietnam. So he was like, you can join the army. Um, maybe the police academy. Uh, that was another option. But I think what I ended up settling on." And this was the same summer that Arizona happened was um, I was beginning to enroll or trying to go through the process of getting into school to become a history teacher. Cool. So um, I love history. <laughs> Arizona. Yeah, same. And, and so like Arizona was like a fun little project we did during that summer after um, what I'm sort of excluding was like uh, a long set of years before that, that we had all dabbled together in like music production and working with other artists and doing a bunch of other stuff just for fun. And um, you know, like that was our way of basically saying, you know, like we, we don't necessarily really enjoy that anymore. Like working with other artists is cool, but it's not about that. It's just kind of more the circular motion that we're going in. It doesn't, doesn't feel great. So we've never done stuff together mm-hmm. so we can sit down and do a project with just us, just creating for no reason. And, you know, it won't be a big deal. And it's obviously like a, people do that. Like producers, like I'm gonna go do my artist project and like yeah. no one, no one gives a shit. Um, and, uh, Where did your musical talent come from? Cause your voice, I have to say like the first oh. time 
I heard your voice. It was like one of the coolest kids I knew played this song and I was like, this voice is incredible. So you must have kind of known just based off of like the texture of your voice that you had. No. <laughs> really? Fuck no. What no. does that mean? I, I never sang. I was never a singer. Um, I was largely like largely any singing I ever did was maybe on demos and stuff that like I didn't have somebody there to like demo a song so I would like do it and just you know um kind of get away with like melodining stuff here and there but just light light demo stuff you know um I mean I grew up in, in a relatively musical environment in the sense that like my my dad liked um like he he loved music so he'd always play lots of music in the car he was a really good uh, horn player he played the trumpet um my mother played like a million instruments growing up, but like not when I was born, you know, like not around the house or anything. But um, if you want to believe it's like genetic, which I don't think it is, I think it's a skill set. But, you know, like uh, I was definitely exposed to music. I liked music a lot, but um, producing was really just what I liked because it was like computers and then like just making sounds come together. It was like two things that I just really enjoyed doing. But um, I never thought that like I was like a singer or anything. I ever did any of that. So but even production, I mean, like there is a skill set behind production that takes a bit of discipline. Like you can't just plop in front of a logic and throw something together. I mean, you'd have to be kind of a prodigy to be able to do that. So did you... Like, what was the thought behind dabbling with production? Did you feel like it was a form of a video game that you could eventually, like, listen back to? Or what did it feel like for you? I think that's that's maybe maybe kind of what it was. It's tough. I, I, don't, really, I don't really know exactly what, what got me into that. I think um, I would come home and I had, like a, like, a little Casio keyboard that you could, like, record stuff on and play it back. Um, and I'd come home and play with that thing and, and, and like the idea of being able to make cool sounds and then hear back what you did. I, th I think that was kind of fun because music was sort of relaxing to me um, as a kid. And, and uh, I think the more I got older and got into computers and stuff, like I realized there was like a whole big boy version of that that you could do. And I was like, that's fucking sick. Like you can, you know, you can really, really control that whole process and do do pretty big stuff with, with that. So like, I think that interest kind of just evolved naturally. Um, but it, like you said, it's a skill set. Like it's, it's not something that, you know, it's not something that you, you just do, um, forever, but the first time you do it, you just do it. Yeah. Um, that plus a million other kind of factors, I think went into me being like, I never thought again, you know, all through this time doing it, it was like, I did it for fun. Um, so you didn't have any hopes of getting signed to a label because you're signed to arguably like the biggest label in the world. Yeah, that's all. I mean, everything with Arizona, the shows we played, you know, like the, the label signing, the, the records, the albums, the experiences, the opportunities, like all that stuff basically went from zero to 100 in 2015 or so um, and hasn't stopped. And all of it's been a surprise Wow. entirely. Wow. Which makes me honestly like one of the worst fucking candidates for it because like people spend their whole lives like thinking about that, you know? Um, and I feel like I have such, uh, I, I have I have so little in common with most of my peers in that regard, in the sense that like, I, I, I didn't expect it. So I never like actively wanted it. It's not that I don't want it or don't appreciate it. Like it's awesome um, and it's who I am now, but I didn't 
spend my life mentally preparing for this and, and grinding for this one particular thing. So getting it is, is, um, is interesting. I mean, sometimes life throws stuff at you that you don't want and you get in bad ways and sometimes in good ways. And, and, um, and, and in this case, it's been a real learning process for me, you know? So interesting. I definitely want to get into the how and the story, but I, before that, I'm so intrigued by what you just said, which is in a way that it wasn't an expected or even like anticipated and desired life reality. So I'm curious what, like what you think is the why behind why you were chosen? Like, how did this happen to you specifically? Life is the things that happen to you. Um, I think half of it is in your control, whether you take it or not, right? Like things you do, um, and half of it's chance. Um, always the part that we did control of it. I, I think we, we did it, we did it wholeheartedly. Like we took, um, years of being friends and working on music production stuff together and just like also shit and like songwriting. And we sat down and said like, we're just going to make some of the best stuff that we think, you know, we can do. Um, and there's no guidelines. There's no, like, we're not working on an artist project that has to sound a certain way, or we're not trying to fit our skill set as producers into somebody else's sound. Like we were just making one sort of from scratch. So, you know, for us, you know, it was, um, it was, it was a pretty natural process, but we also, at the end of creating per se, like we, uh, thought to ourselves, like, let's give it let's give it a package. Like, let's put it together and make it look like it's a thing, you know, just for fun. And we'll put it on the internet. Like we'll, we'll do it. Like if we're going to do it, we'll do a hundred percent. Um, and it's not going to work, but like, it'll be fun. Like we'll just, you know, um, you didn't put any thought into marketing. You just thought I'm going to put it into the universe. <clears throat> we did some fun things that I guess maybe you could say technically are, are like, um, like we did a cover of, uh, at the time it was bad blood was like a big song. So we did a cover of that and we did like a little like video. Swift? Yeah. Uh, and we did, a, we shot a video of it. Um, and, uh, we, we put it on his YouTube channel, our, our boy, Josh Chomick, um, cause he comes from the YouTube world. So we put it on his YouTube channel. We posted on Reddit and just like, Hey guys, like we shot a cover. We're like, not really a band, but it's like our first time doing something like this and whatever. And, uh, we uploaded some songs to SoundCloud with like a logo that didn't mean anything, you know, with a, with a name that didn't mean anything. Which was Arizona. Which was Arizona. Um, uh, which was a joke. And Nate was wearing an Arizona iced tea hat, and Dave made made fun of it and said, it "Doesn't matter what we call what we do. It's never going to be about that for us. Like it's going to be about other things. And so we can call it fucking any, you know, Arizona, and we'll put spaces in it, like make it all, all hipster or whatever, you know." So it's it was everything was a joke, dude. Everything yeah. was kind of making fun of itself. Not which not is ironic anything, because though, like even your vibe, like your aesthetic vibe, is so hipster, and the spacing of the letters <laughs> is so hipster. The visuals are so hipster. It's like you would think a marketing genius went into this and was like, how can we make this the most hipster band of all time? I think that was the joke. Yeah. Like, not to say that we, who we are as people is supposed to be a joke, but like, I, I think it, if for us as, as, uh, as just a friend group, you know, which all has inside jokes with each other and, and just dumb shit, like we, we saw this whole thing as something that I think ultimately everybody else was kind of, kind of look at, like as either something that was trying to be way too serious and just stupid or, or like, yo, it's kind of tight because you guys didn't take it too seriously and that's where it'll die. Mm -hmm. 
So we didn't. Um, we just didn't think that that response would would go to to the levels it went to because um, then then um, our our manager now was just another kid like us um, working in some industry, you know, New York, and and found the, the post on Reddit and hit us up. Jacob, you know, hit us up on Reddit and was like, "Yo, this stuff's crazy. Like, you guys are great." Um, yeah. So I he also, was like an old. He was somebody you already knew. No. He was oh. a stranger on Reddit who oh. was like, yo, I'm also in the tri-state area. And I also like, you know, for what it's worth, I'm kind of fucking sick of my life. And like, I always wanted to kind of like manage music stuff. And like, I'd be down to help you guys out if if you want. And we were like, yo, like, I don't know if that's worth it. But if you're down, like, yeah, we can keep going and whatnot. And and then so, yeah, he, he took it upon himself to kind of like share some of the music with some like YouTube channels. Some of them liked it and picked it up. Um, so Meaning like, they just like put it in their content, like their vlog or... No, no, no. Like um, at the time, this was when Spotify was still kind of just becoming a big thing. Um, and uh, there were like, and still are, but there's like YouTube channels that are just dedicated to like posting cool new music and stuff. Um, and so like some of them liked it. Mr. Suicide Cheap is a really big channel that put us on uh, originally. Um which is like huge, it's like a big channel. And uh, I guess because Spotify was kind of coming up around the same time, as like the the stats would kind of creep into different parts of people's lives, I guess in, in the industry or whatever, they would like sort of monitor Spotify stats. And I think that we made a little bit of a bump and some people reached out to us and were like, hey, like, who are you guys? Like, shit's cool, like heard it. People? Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, it sounds really cool. Like, who are you guys, blah, blah. Like, um, like the music. And, and uh, it was just odd for us because we were like, all of this happened maybe in the course of uh, three months. No way. Yeah. From putting the music out. And you'd already had a full album written before you started releasing. Mm, no, we had, I think we had like three or four songs on SoundCloud. Okay. Um, that we released like one at a time just for fun. Um, that was really it. Did you have a day job at the time? Me, I had no. Um, I had just come back from uh, from living in England um, with Nate, uh, the other, you know, one of the other guys. Um, pr- pretty recently to that time period. Um, were you, you were just like in England because I was. Awesome. I was living in England because um, a friend of mine um, was building a studio out there and wanted somebody to help him with the project. Before that, Nate and I were living in LA with um, our other buddy, who's kind of like he's like. Um, he kind of showed us the ropes. Um, he kind of taught most of us about producing and stuff like that when we were younger. Um, his name's PJ. He's like one of the Arizona guys, not the three in the band, but of the five of like the company or group, like main group originally. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate and I were living in LA with PJ, helping him run a studio in North Hollywood, um, producing and writing. Um, cool. So I had really just, it, it was essentially like the beginning of this next chapter and we were like, okay, before we get into like me going to school to be a history teacher, or Dave was working at Al Jazeera, Nate was in IT, like, um, you know, uh, like we were like, before we really get settled into like, moving forward, yeah, let's just do something fun over like the summer. So Dave like, Dave like uh, left his job, you know, for like the summer, and was like, I'm gonna take some some time off, and they were like, cool, you know, um, wow. and we all just kind of hunkered down for like. Uh, just that spring, summer, whatever it was to finish these songs and come up with the stuff and put them on SoundCloud. And we did. Um, And when you were coming up with your first batch of music, 
were you being like super analytical about it? Were you like, you know what? We we did like a five hour session today. I think the song is pretty good. Let's just like keep this one. Like how much of your material are you keeping and how much are you tossing? Back then, no. We we weren't analytical at all. Like we would throw shit together and we were like, yo, like we have I think where we really dive into the pro and this is still the case, um, I think where we really dive into the process more is the songwriting. Like we we really I think we're really the the most critical of ourselves when it comes to writing because that's where the the that's where the real shit is, right? Like the songs themselves. Um but when it comes to like top lines and producing, like I feel like we kind of know what works because we did it for so long um, in many different ways for many different people. So you find, you know, like, uh, you know, if you if you make any one product for so long and in such large amounts, you eventually can just hold one and be like, this is a good one. You know what I mean? This is made pretty well, you know? Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of how we, we are as, like, producers and top liners. Like, you just know what kind of works and doesn't or what's workable and not workable and, and that's how we approached it then um wow. we still kind of do I, I think to to a degree nowadays um as well where the important stuff to us i think is like the song because you can produce a shitty song 90 ways it's still kind of a shitty song or like not well i mean that's yeah. always it's art so Sometimes right production makes so it's always <laughs> subjective i guess but at the end of the day like you know there are things that work and things that don't work. I think it, when it comes to connecting with a general, you know, audience. And so like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like there, there are things that work and don't work. So, uh, the songs I think were the important thing for us and production is obviously important. Like it does help, but, yeah. but ultimately a bad song is a bad song right. or, uh, like you can hear the magic of a song with an acoustic guitar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah you know, um, you just sing, you sing a song, and you can hear like oh wow it's a great melody awesome lyrics like it's just you know um, yeah. and you can make it 10 versions of that awesome song and it's, yeah. it's the same song did you ever feel like an underdog or not perfectly equipped for getting signed to a major label because i i feel like a lot of artists struggle with a paying rent b the feeling of there's so much competition like how can you possibly cut through the noise like you hear people giving you these tidbits of feedback on the internet of like oh it's hard to cut through the noise like you have to be this you have to be that and I kind of feel like it seems like in your story you just completely carved your own path had nothing to do with any of that didn't seem like there's any um doubt or fear but I could be wrong so well uh, well, you're right about one thing. Um, I, I definitely feel like we didn't have much contact with most of what you were saying. I mean, everybody struggles to pay rent, you know, especially today. But um, the rest of the stuff is stuff that we we didn't we we didn't really come in contact with too much. Um, I'd be curious, like, to know more about that experience, though. Like, what exactly it is you're referring to? Like, just so it's interesting, like. I went to music school in LA and I found that if I could have gotten a refund and just like done my own thing yeah. and studied music, I probably would have picked things up faster because you find that 
teachers or people on the internet are constantly saying like they're either trying to shape you into being like a cookie cutter version like the Kelly Clarkson or an Ariana Grande or whatever as a female pop singer or they just make the idea of getting signed to label seem so rare and so difficult and so um actually like toxic like they say like labels are going to screw you over there's like so much bad information on the internet I've just found and I found that that was also what was happening at my music school and it seems like for you it's almost been like a yellow brick road like this seems like kind of this is not even like the risky path in your life uh no (laughs) um if you want to talk about because that's relative yeah, right. right. Um, everybody's lives have different paths. This wasn't the risky one. Hmm. Um, this wasn't, excuse me, this wasn't the riskiest one. Mm-hmm. Everything has risk. Um, but it depends on who you are and how you mitigate it that makes it bad or not so bad, right? So, like, um, luck favors the prepared. So, like, if you're somebody who's, you know, really, really banking on one thing and you're somebody that's not very good at adapting and whatnot, then, um, then a path for someone that would be incredibly, somebody like that, incredibly risky. is not that big of a deal for somebody who has different qualities. So, yeah. um, and I'm not saying I do or don't, I think I have a mix of, we all have, I feel like a mix of some qualities that make certain things a little bit safer than others and some things riskier than others. But, but for me, this wasn't the riskiest, the riskiest path to take. Um, mm. Yeah, and and I think the some of the information you're talking about, um, like everything, um, since the dawn of time, but especially today in, in in the world as small as it is with the internet and everything, like some of that's real, some of it's not. You know, um, is being signed to a label like a rare thing or a shitty thing? Uh, kind of depends. It can be also probably not in some ways. You know, like we've had a pretty good experience. Yeah. I mean, labels in general are companies like anything else. You know, they have they have people that show up and work hard. They have people that show up and fucking don't work hard. I mean, it's a company. It's not one entity. You know, um, right. there's no Mister Label. You know, like there's there's a million people that go into a lot of this stuff. Um, at least from from my experience. Uh, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but um, the people that we've dealt with, um, there's usually one point of contact that is sort of the overarching person responsible for projects. You know, mm-hmm. and um below that it is a lot of people and i've worked with great people at the labels label deals are um are a little little tricky a little rough um in today's world because of how fast the landscape is is changing Mm -hmm. um for both parties you know for both parties but um i think it does come down to how you think because the way i feel like we approached this was you know, we're going to make like three cents or we're going to make like $20 million. Three cents on the song or just with the career. Oh, this career is going to make us like fucking no money at all, or it's going to be huge. Oh, I see. I see. Um, and it'll probably keep us relatively afloat in between that or now and then, or, you know, that and that, like, you know, we'll, we'll float, I guess, to a degree, but there is no world in where you have like a comfortable, you know, regular, what's a comfortable salary? What, like barely six figure salary? There's no world in where like, that's just what it is. And you do it for 30 years and retire, like doesn't work, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
so for us, it's just like, we didn't have those expectations going in. We knew that most of like the, um, most of the in-between time was, was going to be, uh, a, a, you working with your partners, you know, your agency, your label, it's going to be working together. Um, the people that you deal with day to day are going to probably be just as well off as you are, you know, and, and you're all kind of in it for the common goal. Um, and you have to make that work somehow, you know, yeah. um, that's the reality of being an artist on a label these days. If you are, if you're somebody that has your head screwed on straight, you know, um, and a lot of artists, I feel like have their managers for that purpose. Do you still have the same manager? Yeah. The guy who reached out to you on Reddit? Yeah, Jake. Yeah. That's incredible. And we've added, you know, like, uh, like Josh, you know, yeah. Bernardo's, we've added him. We've, yeah. we've added a, a bunch of people to like the group over time. Um, some on the live touring front, you know, some on the, the day-to-day front and, it's it's been i think a way to include all of our homies and friends you know yeah so. it's such a fascinating story i'm curious i imagine that your first huge song was oceans away huge yeah that was the first time i discovered you and like i said i was like whoa this is there was something about that song and crossed my mind that it was just so different than anything i'd heard before and it was one of those songs where the first time you hear it, you remember exactly where you were and like what you were visualizing and kudos to you for that. And uh, I'm curious because I find that sometimes people spend their entire lives trying to achieve some kind of momentum like that, like a, a hit song or um, some kind of huge success. Did you feel pressure or anxiety after that song to top it? Did you feel like there'd be judgment if your next song that came out wouldn't have been as good? Oh, uh, no. Um, You're such a healthy headspace. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think, well, that, that's, yeah, I didn't really feel any pressure there because, you know, like we, we feel like we have been given an opportunity larger than us. Hmm. So Arizona is not who we are. Like Arizona is like a boat that we were given and it was well equipped with a lot of great things that that really benefit a lot of people that, that we've seen um music helps people music has helped people for thousands of years um you know arts is you know the arts have always been there to help mediate the issues that people deal with in day-to-day life always mm-hmm. um a lot of people do it some get known for it we are relatively known for it. Like we've been put in a position to where we're somebody who has some status in that, in that regard. And, um, that's like a job or an opportunity that we've been given. So it's like, here's the boat. It has a whole bunch of supplies for the world on it and go sail shore to shore and deliver it to people. And the supplies are like the message behind the songs or the everything. happiness they yeah, create. Yeah, just everything. Just the moments that you're going to give to them. The moment you describe to me, you know, it's maybe an insignificant moment compared to many of the ones you'll have in your life, but it's one that you remember and know, you yeah. know, and it's part of your life. Yeah. When would I have, other than chance, right? When would I have ever been a part of your life? Yeah. And and even even saying that, it's not me. It's something else. Yeah. But I had to do it. And if I didn't do it, it wouldn't have happened. And so like, yeah, sometimes I feel like the vessel when I write a song, sometimes you, I'm like, I are. wish I didn't have to share this, but I feel like I do. 
and it's healing to me and I know it'll be healing to other people and it feels uncomfortable to release it because you feel, I think when you first write a song, it feels very much you, but then you realize yeah. that the song is almost like this other thing that somebody can feel empathy or um, almost like intimacy with, like they feel understood when they listen to a song that resonates with them. Yeah, they yeah. make it their own almost. Yeah. You know, like Oceans Away is, is a great example of that. Like Oceans Away was a song um, that P the guy I mentioned earlier, PJ, had, had begun to write because he was going through something similar and then I helped finish write and um, it was my father dying. Wow. Um, and, and ditto for, for him. I think we were both going through that at the same time, wow. relatively speaking, and, and, and that's what that song was about. Um, I, I don't think, based on what I've heard like from people, like I don't think that's what you would imagine when you no, hear that song. I thought it was about a long-distance relationship. Clearly. <laughs> and that's okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a way that like you said, it can be, you're like, damn, I say this? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, that line's a little crazy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I say that shit. That's like, I feel like I'm, you know, I wouldn't say that to, but what I'm saying in this song, some of this shit, like, I would maybe talk about with, like, my homie, homie, yeah, but yeah. I don't know if I'm going to say that shit and put it out, especially when you know you have an audience. It's like, yeah. damn, like, people are going <laughs> to hear this shit, and then they're going to, you know, yeah. so uh, it is weird, but um, people have a tendency to just naturally make it their own. So it's not about you, really, at that point. Um, yeah. They create a thing or a meaning behind you or a song or anything in a way that they needed it, the way that it serves them. Um, yeah. That's a big opportunity. So so in that context, that's how I feel about all this. Yeah. In that context, you're like, oh, did you feel pressure about not having you know another bigger record? Or you know, do you ever feel like it was difficult um, or not difficult or, you know, my experience from start to finish or now or whatever. I just, I don't care about that shit. I, I really don't. Um, yeah. you could take this away from me fucking tomorrow and like, it would hurt the way everything else hurts in life that you lose. Cause you're like, damn, that was my, I, that kept a roof over my head, but like, that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could take it away tomorrow and I never, you know, I never ordered it. So if it has to go back you know, the mature part of me would have to realize that like, okay, well, it was fun. I, I've never asked this question before to any guests on my show, but, and I do think that most, if not all of my guests are very grounded. And I do find that the more successful somebody is, the more grounded they have to be to carry it. But I feel like you have so much wisdom and also you have like a sense of serenity. Like you're very happy. Like, I don't know if you're Damn, happy. I've been called a lot of things. Serene isn't one of them. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, you're so free to just be you. You don't seem to have anxiety, worry, fear, all these things that like so many people I've talked to and interviewed have had. And I'm curious, like, do you have a meditative practice, spiritual practice? Do you journal? Like what, how, where are you getting your depth and, and, like lack of anxiety from mm. um well to be fair um i have massive problems with anxiety and fear and all this stuff um huh. i feel like the same way every, everyone else does um to their own degree but it's present in everybody's life uh i think maybe some of mine comes from just earlier life and just growing up with a, with a crazy 
crazy life and and um but to be fair some of it doesn't i think some of it is, is again just how you choose to and realizing you have a choice um in how you handle something and how you handle something directly affects the way that you like operate as a person um and then knowing that the way you operate as a person uh, operate as a person will basically produce the results that you get like mm -hmm. connecting the dots and having a bit of a wider perspective i think helps me just realize that like um acting a certain way and feeling a certain way are two different things and that's not just anxiety that's everything in life you can feel a certain way but acting and saying are things that don't come and go yeah you know they get placed into the world and then they're there this is not even asking for a friend. This is just like asking for myself because I think that <laughs> sometimes you have a crazy dream and you're like, if I'm going to make this happen, it's going to be because of my blood, sweat and tears. Like I have to, like there's almost like a sense of like needing to control yourself as much, much as possible, which comes in the form of like discipline, putting in the extra hours. And I almost feel like you have such a piece about whatever the outcome might be that it feels like you wake up you do what you have to do you're grateful for it but you're actually not trying to control the outcome like it almost feels like you don't care if arizona becomes like <clears throat> the biggest band in the world or if it stops i could be totally wrong but you're absolutely right i'm right you're correct yeah um and that's why it's hard to say that without context, because if you say that to somebody, the first thing they imagine is, you don't, you just don't give a shit. You're I not like thankful. Yeah. I absolutely give a shit. Yeah, I yeah. care because it's what's in front of me. It's my life. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the key. Hmm. It's about caring about what's in front of you, not necessarily what's ahead of you or what's behind you. Mm -hmm. People give too much effort into either trying to wrangle the future or change the past that they forget that the past was only created the way it was by the way you treated the present. And so will the future be. Hmm. So, uh, you know, like I care about what I have in front of me right now, yeah. but w what becomes of it, I feel like people's reaction to certain answers to that question, I feel like are just a, a bit of a, a bit of a projection. I think of, of a common habit we all have, which is that we, we, we tend to underestimate nature. Nature's not going to give you more than fifty percent of the control of anything. Hmm. It won't, um, as we said earlier. Like uh, you, you control about half of everything. Um, and if you think you have an ace up your sleeve, sitting at the fucking table with nature, like uh, your experience is too shallow. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you're just wrong. Um, and that's not me telling you that. That's just the way it is. And yeah. I, I feel like. You only serve yourself to understand that because the more you realize that, then um, I can only control half of what's going on. Then your fears and anxieties and whatever else get cut in half. It's unfortunate sometimes yeah. that you can only tr control half of the things that, that happen. But huh. it does mean that you get to sleep better at night if you're somebody that knows that I did everything I could. Yeah. And you also have to take care of yourself as <clears throat> something that has priority. Sometimes I'm like, oh, let me just stay up an extra couple hours and get work done but it's like you have to trust the universe and also make sure that you're taking care of yourself along the way 
Yeah, universe. Uh, the universe isn't your friend. That's for damn sure. No, it's, I feel like it is. It's not your friend. It's not your enemy. <laughs> it just happens. Ah. It's not. You know, it's not necessarily out to get you, out to help you. It's just. It's. It's a. It's. It, it's a roll of dice. Love that. Um, you are the substance in which the dice gets tossed in. You know, is water, sand, air. You know, whatever. Like you are the environment the dice get tossed in, but. That's all you can control. So that being said, like staying up and working and being disciplined and, and, and putting in your 10,000 hours, so to speak, right? Like it's important. That, that's really important. Um, and I feel like you can do that for something you love. Mm-hmm. You get really good at it. Yeah. You could do something you hate and put 10,000 hours into it. Get really fucking good at it. Yeah. It's, it's, and that's math, you know? Wow. Um, you do something enough, you'll, you'll understand it and then get good at it. So you mentioned earlier that you almost made like a self deprecating comment about your voice. And I do believe that with 10,000 hours, you can get excellent at everything. And clearly you've gotten excellent at your voice, but the fact that you weren't a kid thinking, Oh my gosh, I have the world's best male vocal. Um, I'm curious, like did that, feel like something you had to conquer like how did you get from where you started to where you are now um i never sang as a kid um i like i said i began to kind of do some demo things here and there for fun um but it was never that was it and that was in my maybe that was later in life way later in life um I did struggle with to answer the other question there, like in that, like, uh, how did you kind of, I, I started in Arizona as somebody that had a really weird realization that I have to go do these on stage. Mm-hmm. Being a producer, like a behind the glass person is uh, great because you're like, I got to do some shit today. I'm out. That's it. I've done my part for this and that's my full 100% piece. Yeah. Um, as, as an artist, like you have to do it, but then do it again and then do it again and then do it again in all different mediums. You have to write it and then produce it and then, you know, perform it in a million different ways and settings and things like that. And, um, that's where I do lack some of the things in common with my peers. Cause like, they really love that. Yeah. Like they're born to, to do you, do you feel like you're drawn to performing? Oh yeah. It's my favorite feeling in the world. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We don't have that in common. Not not in a way that it separates us, but it's just yeah. something that like I can't I don't know how that feels. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm missing that from from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um performing for me is something that I do because it's a part of the job and I have like every other part of the job, right? Like you find things that you enjoy that are fun. Like performing is fun. That's not like I'm like I hate fucking but no, like performing is fun. Um there's parts of it that I like. Um parts of it that suck and are kind of nerve-wracking and weird and also technical like cuz we do everything that you know like the the reason that <clears throat> the reason our crew is so small is because all of us have skills to do all these different things and so that just means that we're responsible for them. So there's a lot that goes wrong too, but I, I never I never like yearned for that. So um that was a big thing to overcome was like, then you have to, you have to be the, you have to be the face. You have to be the performer. You have to be all this stuff. Um, yeah. it's not just your music. I don't get to just make it and upload it. And then it does everything for me. Like you have to go be it. There's a power in that though. I opened for the Coldplay play tour last year and it's like, I couldn't find, I just moved to New York. So I didn't have a network of musicians here. 
So I just ended up deciding I'm going to produce this myself. Mm-hmm. I sang all, all the songs, wrote all the songs, choreographed all the things, created the outfit. Like 100% of the show was like, right? like me, but it's also a lot of, it was a lot, a lot of, of pressure, but it's a lot of like feeling of fulfillment at the end of the day where you're like, I pulled that off and yes. you yeah. learn to believe in yourself. Um, I want to hit some rapid fire questions, one sure. sentence or less. Do you ever experience writer's block? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> Great. Constantly, more so than not. Nice. <laughs> Biggest dream? Um, being in a Star Wars series. Being cast in a Star Wars series for something. I feel like that's going to happen for you for sure. Oh, shit, we'll see. <laughs> you have the suit for it. Hardest part of your job? Uh, morale, I think. Yeah. Keeping it, keeping it together and, and um, like any other situation in life, the hardest part is remembering that, you know, a good attitude is, uh, is only going to help. I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, do you have haters and do you care what they say? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I probably, right? Like, I, yeah. I, I imagine there are some people who are like, who the fuck is this porn stash looking ass motherfucker <laughs> like, with these hipster Jeez. songs? Like. There might be some people who like listen to it and go like, this is garbage. And who yeah. is this guy? Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like there's a world in where I, I would be them too, looking at this and being like the same thing. So no, I don't talk good. I yeah. think it's funny. I would probably say the same thing. That's hilarious. Um, worst advice you've ever received? Worst advice? Yeah. Uh, that you need the right tool for the job. Because hmm. that isn't true. There's no such thing as a tool made for a job. That's why tools have changed and been invented for fucking years. Tools can be better for jobs, but most of the thing is the right one. You can get something done with anything. Love that. Best advice you've ever received? Do what you are really good at doing and find help for everything else. That's awesome. Um, okay, we're going to do truth or dare. The dare will come later, but I'm going to ask you a question, then you can ask me a question. Um do you have any songs out that you're actually not stoked on? Not really. Uh, there are there are some songs that felt like fillers to me, but that doesn't mean I don't like them or anything. It just means that like they were the product of some really cool writing sessions um, and they just kind of came to fill a spot on an album and sounded cool and they were jams and I was like sick why not you know <laughs> like um, on gallery there's a song called feed the beast which is like just a fun song it doesn't really mean anything it's not about anything it's just some shit you know just kind of yeah. a jam that. Um, and that's like one of those so yeah. not a cool. bad thing but sweet your turn uh, do you hate living in New York oh um, gosh so when I first came to New York it took so much effort and energy and tears to get over here and then about a year in, I just re-signed my lease and then all of a sudden I was like oh no I miss LA um but now I'm stuck here for personal reasons so I don't hate New York I, I actually feel like I spent all of winter thinking OMG get me out but I think that's actually like the winter blues and as a California girl I've never experienced that interesting and I mean, I know better than to unpack that, but what? Yeah. at least right now. But that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That may that may be a healthy thing. What? To get out every winter? No, staying staying here in New York and experiencing oh. some of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a yeah. special thing to New York. Feeling like shit over a winter time and also kind of being stuck here. 
Yeah. It's just, I think for me, sometimes it's conceptually hard to think that the network of people that I collaborate with are in Los Angeles mm. and the serendipity of that. But I've been finding serendipity. You can find serendipity anywhere. And now that I'm building out my people here, I'm, I'm feeling much more settled. Yeah. Okay. Your turn uh, or my turn, I guess. What goes on in your brain during release day? During release day? Not yeah. much. Really? Uh, the week leading up to it, as okay. we are in right now, actually, beginning of, um, not not much on the day itself, but the week before, uh, a shit ton. A lot okay. goes into it. Um, like technical stuff then? Yeah, technical stuff. Yeah, okay. we're releasing um, uh, the third single for the new album on Friday, this Friday. Um, okay. And this, basically the whole car ride over here, Chumak and I were just talking about getting the visualizer right. Yeah. Um, the whole week is going to be stuff like that. So cool. a lot. So fun. Yeah. Okay. Your turn. Um, if, if you had to, uh, if you had to like write a song with like one person and like do a feature and maybe perform it at some point, like it's a song you own for the rest mm. of your life and you had to go on stage and perform it with, with that person. Um, mm. what would be like the, the dream collab? Um, ironically, it's actually Coldplay. Really? Um, yeah. They've been my lifelong favorite band. Um, for a while, I was like, I would have said The Chainsmokers, but Coldplay, like, since I was a kid, I just, I love his songs. They've been really healing to me. So it's ironic that that opportunity was that specific opportunity. That was sick. Yeah, it, it was, like, a life highlight. Like, I, ever since I was a kid, I thought my dream in life is to perform in a stadium. So the fact that that happened, and then, like, one of the three favorite bands I had my entire life was them, and... Mm. Yeah, it was really special, but that's a really great question. Okay, what's your biggest fear? I have a pretty healthy fear, I think, of not being not being conscious enough in certain moments, you know, doing the wrong things um, and having being forced to learn from it in hindsight, you know? Mm. Like, I'd like to do the right things every time uh, say the right things every time and um, I strive for that and I think that you can you know being being careful and being thoughtful I think you can help that but you're gonna fuck it up sometimes and and I'm constantly afraid of losing too much of that awareness so yeah uh, which I think helps me keep it so it's yeah I know it's a yeah. tough thing for people to, to to turn bad things into good things it's a really tough thing to do and I think an easy way to do it is what you were saying like people yeah. do like coming up with an idea for what they should be and they just stick to it. It's easier if we had a script. Yeah. Um, so it's a hard thing to do and it's, it's, uh, you know, it makes sense why some people do that, but it's not cause they're shitty people or anything. It's just, right. I, I, who, who can blame them? I mean, look outside, it's a fucked yeah. up world. So yeah. having a script and sticking to it and having a, a reference that you can go to when you need an answer for something makes sense. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I think that, I, I advocate for it being a healthier thing to do to explore yourself, even if it means fucking up in the meantime, sometimes, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I sometimes regret being too scared to regret fucking up, because I think fucking up is sometimes really healthy. But, um, okay, you have one more question to ask me, and then we're going to get into the game. What was the biggest thing you fucked up your whole life? Oh. Biggest, worst thing. The thing that, like, you think of by accident sometimes, like... 
while you're at the grocery store and it makes you just want to like hide behind the Reese's Puffs yeah. and just die. <laughs> um, this is such a boring thing to say, but my the first time I fell in love, I was so naive. I really thought it would be like a Hallmark movie. Like I thought anything somebody says, you got to trust. Like there's no reason to be suspicious or... And I, I got like very... I learned that lesson the hard way. And I think I actually learned that lesson way too hard. So I think a large majority of my life after dating that person was pretty self-protective to the point where if I saw a red flag in somebody they would never know it but I would think like there's no way I'm gonna like let this person into my heart or pursue it and I actually think that as humans we all have baggage and scars and fears and um things that we're working on. And I think on one hand, it's helpful to make judgment calls quickly. And on the other hand, it's important to trust yourself to be able to heal and to be able to love instead of just like not like putting up a bunch of boundaries. So um, yeah, I've written songs about that, but I just, I think I put too many, too many walls up for too long a time. Um, anywho. An just... Anyway. <laughs> no, that was a good one. Thanks. That was a good one. And Thanks. for what it's worth, for what it's worth. Yeah. I think that's, uh, some people don't get a handle on that ever. Yeah. And that's the worst thing I think that can happen in that case. Sounds like you definitely have a handle on it, which is a good thing. Cause like, yeah, it's, it, imagine, imagine you never like learning that or knowing that, yeah. you know, and unknowingly kind of walking through life with like either the wrong amount of protection of your own barriers or none at all or too much and just never knowing that you have to regulate that so that's a great yeah, thing that's awesome i also feel like for example like the heart not that we think it's like a piece of clay but sometimes you think oh heartbreak like you take a piece of your heart out and you give it to somebody but i actually feel like it's more like a fire where it's like if you light somebody else's candle with your like love you're not going to be lesser for it you're sustain like you're self-sustaining and you're fine sounds like a song right there but yeah but yeah maybe <laughs> um okay so three yeah. things that you live by uh no straws and for the ocean no 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 no, no. um just in general so yeah i mean also obviously okay great that's a byproduct that's awesome yeah. right um no straws and no white socks oh i'm wearing i that's why it's not something I so hold quickly. other people to. It's okay. just that um, my father said that to me once. He said, if you if you want to, he's like, you really want to be a professional in your life. He's like, don't drink out of straws and don't wear white socks. I like that. Uh, try, to, try to just treat people well. You know, um, I say try because sometimes you get frustrated with people and you do things that, you know, you're going to wish you maybe didn't say or do. But at the end of the yeah. day, like try to pe you know, try to treat people that maybe you, you wouldn't think about often well, like cashiers or yeah. people that you're just having general interactions with, like they're people, so. I love that. Um, okay, and then what would you tell your younger self? My younger self, you know, uh, he certainly had a lot of uh, issues being okay with feeling mm -hmm. things, emotions, you know, and um, kind of made him feel like it was uh, 
going to prevent him from operating the way he was supposed to operate in a lot of situations. Um, I'd probably tell that kid that you can still feel the way you're supposed to feel um, and do what you have to do at the same time. Mm, I love that. Um, there's, a, there's a way to not be a robot and still get what you got to get done. Who do you think should be next on Under the Covers, theoretically? Like, whose covers would you like to get under? Honestly, if you could get, like, if you could get, like, one of the, one of, like, the the great, like, 80s artists in the room, that would be mm. insane. Cool. You know, like, Kenny Loggins or, like, one of the guys from The Police or, like. Oh, Sting? I, I would love that. Just to get a picture of what, like, yesteryear was like in cool. all of the things that we talked about genre-wise, but what it was like then, you know, that'd Yeah, it's probably so different. Okay, final question. What's one thing under your covers that people don't know about you? I'm like really, I'm like ranked really high compared to probably what most people I feel like would, would be in uh, in Rocket League, which is like a PC game, like Fun. a little sports game, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I was ranked number two in Battlefield 1942 when I was a kid, so Wait, I'm a nerd. Is that, hold on, is that a joke? No. Are you serious? Yeah. 1942, I mean, like the OG 2001 Battlefield. Yeah. Brother, That's insane. My brother and his friends would go to like a computer gaming place and I would use his computer at home to play and it'd always be my brother as number one and then me as number Homie, two. Homie, I fucking <laughs> loved that game. I played the shit out of that Me game. Too. You're like one of the I first people like a, I've met. A jo- uh, whatever you call it. Yeah. What do you call it? A joystick, a joystick? like a flight yeah. stick, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, sweet. Hi, my name is Layla Perry, and you're watching Under the Covers, my show about the risks taken, the mountains climbed, and the victories behind some of the biggest game changers shaping culture and entertainment today. Jeremy Fox. Yes, Chef. Max Lugavier. <laughs> Mari Llewellyn. It's me. Glenn Coco. Drumroll. <laughs> Graham Bunn. <laughs> Scott Hansen. Woo! intro ever. <laughs> Give it a year, I bet they'll call you a genius.